Hey, Pronouncers, welcome back to the Printavo Pronouncers Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. We've got Mr. Stephen Farragut at Campus Inc. and a very special guest this week, Hussein Schauser, um, who's got a pretty stacked background, might I add. Former president of Gem Incorporated, which on LinkedIn is something like almost a 200-person company on six boards, doing a lot of consulting. And we got connected, though, from consulting a couple of different print shops, actually, on the business end, which I think we have a lot of production consultants, which are also awesome, but we don't have as much business consultants and mentors and coaches, which we do talk about on this podcast. Anyway, thanks, Hussein, for joining. Nice to see you, Bruce. Steve. Yeah, so why don't you give us – okay, so Bruce gave you the the the, the 30,000-foot view Give us a little bit more of a, of a background of, you know, how you fell into this, um, a couple specifics so listeners can kind of really get a, a taste of, of where you came from. All right, great. I really got into this by when you run a company, it's not about, you know, in your business, it's not about the, it's not about the ink and it's not about the t-shirt. Um, it's about the people. And over a period of, you know, almost 40 years, you know, I learned like everybody else learns the hard way that um, it's all about how you interact with people. Your real differentiator is your culture and, you know, all those difficult things about building a team. Um, And if you don't work on yourself first and you work on the business, it's kind of reverse order. So what I like to do and was doing as a volunteer with companies and specifically nonprofits, because I think they appreciated most of the help, um, you know, based on uh, where their needs are and their resources is, you know, how do we help them see something different? How do we help them speed up? And, you know, what I like to see is there's people don't need to learn lessons the hard way like I did. I can help them with those and they can learn other lessons. So why can't we help them eliminate the speed bumps easier and find a different way? And, you know, I, th- I see it like a gift exchange. You know, I, I like to help others that want the help. And it gives me something back as satisfaction that, you know, we're all contributing in a different way to help, you know, make this a better place and interact with others in a different way. Wow. So you said a lot of awesome things there. Um, I just have to write them down as like not about the ink or the shirts. It's the people. I really like that. But one thing you said is you can't work on the business unless you can work on yourself. We talk to shops all the time about getting out of the shop and getting out of the ink so they can work on the business. You're taking it a step further and saying, can't work on the business if you can't work on yourself. Can you elaborate on that? Well, doesn't it make sense that if if you have an issue within your business and what if it's you, right? <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, as a founder, you guys are probably both founders, I'm sure, uh, or, no, or no founders, um, you get to a point where you take the business to a certain level and there's things that, you know, the easiest thing is that I see most frequently is founders can't let go of the past, partly because they may love to do it and partly because they don't think anybody else can do it for lots of different reasons. And they may be right, but it's really important to step back and say, how am I contributing to this problem? And so it's very hard to have that conversation with somebody in their company. So 
I advise people they should always have somebody on the outside. It's kind of like a your personal board of directors of somebody you can be transparent with and vulnerable so that you can identify what is it that I'm contributing that's holding this company back. It's the best place to go first. And so if you work with someone to help them identify what their blind spot is, for example, it's amazing what people have never told them. So when you work through the process, they have to do some very difficult, but very simple and fast things to find it from others perspective. And it's shocking to me that somebody may have worked with somebody for 10 or 20 years and they've never known that answer. They've never been told or they've never asked, but now they know what can they do with it? Cause most of the time it throttles their company back. It throttles their company back. What, what do you think? I know you've worked with some small businesses and you've worked with very large businesses I feel like this transition happens around hitting a million in revenue because of the, you start to have a team, you actually start to form kind of departments in different areas and start to have more reliable people. I don't know when this happened for you, Farrag, or, or maybe it should have happened, but like, is there some sort of revenue marker that, that can help people say, okay, now I need to start looking at getting yeah, into what I'm doing. I haven't thought about it in terms of dollars because I think by industry it may sway the, you know, my vote. But what I would say is I think it's based on number of employees. So if you look at so somebody did a study, I'll think of his name here, where they looked at since 1949 or somewhere in the early 50s of the comp, you know, the IRS compiles data based on number of employees and the life of the company. And they noticed that 90 some percent of the companies didn't get beyond 10 or 15 employees. And someone did a study of why is that? It's because the leader wasn't able to delegate, wasn't able to let go so that others could step in and they could start building a team, right? You know, we build, you know, a lot of leaders focus on building uh, putting fires out versus building a fire department. Right. And so that's kind of the interpretation of the data to say, why is it these companies didn't get bigger than 10, 15 employees? The leader had to let go of mostly everything they were doing in the past to be able to step up and get to a higher level. So let's really dig into this. Cause I think shops listening to this are going to say, I'm at 10 or 15 employees, you know, one or two autos. I'm or before a to get ready for it. Yeah. And by the way, like, you're right. That's a way better way of looking at it. Cause you're right. Even from contract to, to not. Yeah. 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 It's to gotta be excuse. head counts. It's gotta be head counts. Is the problem, like what are the first signs? Like if a shop is experiencing these things, <laughs> pick up the phone and call 911, you know, like what are the first telltale signs that you see from your experience of founders, like getting to that point where they're not going to make it, you know, like what are the indicators that you see? Is it like, is it culture? Like what, what do you see? Are the, when you go into a business, what are the red flags that you see that are glaring in those 10 to 15 person uh, shops or companies? Well, that's, that's a, tough question from a standpoint of, I see a lot of things. So I'm ADD, so that might make it a little more confusing of an answer. But I would say that um, I, I see denial that they're part of the problem, that they are, because 
so here's what I see. And I work with a lot of young people because I originally started with, I want to work with people that just become the leader or they're going to be the leader because I think they're more fun to work with. Frankly, they're not stuck in the past. They love the help. They actually get things done. It's really actually inspiring. Um, so and you're so a I, pro, you're a pro millennialist. <laughs> I am. Heck yeah. I mean, I, we I, need more of you. Well, I, I, I think we're out there. I think we just, I think we're tough on ourselves. So what I see is most people think they're failing every industry and they look at the gap of where they're not getting to versus where they've come from. They don't give themselves credit for what they've accomplished and they're brutal on themselves. It's, it's really shocking to me. And I don't know if it's society has pushed us in that direction deeper, but we don't take recognition of where we've come from. And so I think it causes us to run faster and not smarter. We don't slow down before we speed up. And it's just amazing on how everybody thinks their situation is unique. It's really not unique. We're not that different. The businesses are not that different. They really well, aren't. You know, I wonder if like psychologically, right? I, I don't know. I, I'm sure everybody got into starting their business differently, of course, but you sort of scratching your itch, you solve your own need, you, you push it forward a little bit more. Then all of a sudden you're full time, however long that took. And then you just keep you you keep like always looking to the next step, the next what's next, what's next. Definitely guilty of it. But I, I almost kind of embrace it. I feel like if I start looking back, um I, I, I don't know, it feels like I need to be totally focused on what's next next month, next week, next yeah, year. I, th- and so I, on. I think I resonate with that. Our business is scaling, we've grown four or five times since we've started or since, you know, I took over in 2015 and my business partner will often, cause I'm like, go, 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 go. And my business partner's twice my age. He's been in the business for 30 years. And he'll say like, just remember where we were seven years ago or where we were six years ago. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. right? My team says uh, that too. And they'll be like, dude, that, do you hey, realize where you came but I, from? But I, but I, but I, I don't know if we're disagreeing or agreeing. I feel like, people like yourselves should always be pushing to get to a higher level, right? I'm not saying don't do that. But what I see is a trouble sign of does somebody really want to change? Do they get it, what they have to do differently? Because they have to give up. They have to be willing to give up almost everything they've been doing successfully and try something else. And so there's this thing called the sigmoid curve, okay? It's an S-curve. And so when you start to ride that curve, you become a sponge, you're a quick learner, you, you start to get really good at it. And at some point near the top, you're kind of the go-to person. People come to you for help. You're the expert, could be the industry expert or in your company, right? But at some point in time, you, you become a little more difficult than know-it-all. And I'm exaggerating just to speed it up here. And the problem is if you stay at that level, you become irrelevant. You become less open, less approachable, right? You're stuck in your way. Um, and the goal is you have to jump to something different. It's called a stretch. You got to stretch. And when you stretch, you have to have fear of failure, similar to being thrown in the deep end of the pool. You have to be unsure if you're going to succeed. Okay, it's gotta, you got to have that feeling in your gut when you get thrown in the pool for the first time, no matter what you've learned or what you've been told. And so as so, leaders... So- 
we're just not comfortable go ahead, go doing ahead. that. And and it's it's something that they they haven't thought out loud with somebody else outside their company. It's a little easier to be vulnerable to say what are my issues and within the company and what's holding me back. How do you do that? Is that a quarterly thing that you that you try to take a day off and 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 write down what do you think's holding you back? Well, there's there's lots of there's lots so I mean there's lots of there's lots of ways and processes. The simplest is identify how the most important thing you should do in the beginning is, and this is a, a, an indicator, a leading indicator whether somebody really wants help is they look go through a delegation exercise. How am I spending my time specifically? Some great information on the web on how successful CEOs have done this and, and as far as and also the results and what they've learned and what they've had to give up because they're always wrong how they spent their time if I asked you Bruce how you spent your time this past week or over the last month whoa, 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 break whoa. it down by categories Why is this about me now well because it's being recorded <laughs> no, I'm kidding, so I'm kidding. <laughs> actually so, I was gonna say I was literally gonna say that the I've had so many conversations calling Farrick to say, what do you think I should focus on? Because what I'm focusing on now is not going to get me to the next step. And it may have helped to get to this step, uh, which is confusing because you're almost like learning a new job role. You know, maybe it's every six months or 12 months, depending on whatever the growth looks like. But uh, it was hard to take that step back. And I think the other thing that's hard is that I feel like there's so much muscle memory um, for me personally too, of just like, Oh, just jump in and just solve it or, or just, just grab that or, or, you know, just do it. I think what I, what I'm hearing is a founder has to have a new job every six months and it's really hard to promote yourself every six months to a year and man it self manage yourself to know what you're supposed to be doing. Meaning like what I should be doing in July is different than I, you know, what I'm, it, and it's a complete. It could be a completely different role. That's really hard. It actually, it's really easy. It's, it's very easy. easy. The hard <laughs> part is believing that it actually is going to work. And let me tell you what it taught me was: the people that I gave things up to were better at it than me, and they liked it more than me. Okay. So Let's, you actually, so, when you do this, Stephen, I promise you, if you were able to do this, your takeaway will be, oh my God, I take so much pleasure of watching such and such grow into something they would not be able to if I didn't give something up. Think about that. The power yeah, of Yeah. My, my dad, someone tells me this. I don't know if it's my dad. says like, and I heard this once, is like, you will never get promoted unless you can get replaced. And I think as an owner, like you have to be, you have to like replace yourself over and, and not be attached. I think, do you think it's more the attachment problem or the ability to delegate? I think it, I think they just, uh, I think people don't realize the benefits of letting go of something and giving it to somebody else that the benefit of that person. I think, I think so even bring it, breaking it down further, uh, what about the people aspect of breaking? Because I feel like we also underemphasize bringing on good management to be able to handle hand stuff off to or, or to not be able to have to think about 
uh, I don't know, sales as much or production as much or whatever aspect. Like, wh- when, when should we be bringing on those, those, those more senior level people and then making those investments? Is it a people? Is it a company size thing with employees again? No, I think it's really, I think it goes back to, you know, how you spend your time and what are you not spending time on? Because what you would find is if you need to be more strategic, you need to block out time to be more strategic and not mix it operationally. I feel when you're small, especially to try to mix those topics in the same day or in the same meeting, most people can't shift gears. And Hmm. if you were able to say, okay, every Friday for two hours or once a month for half a day or the whole day, I'm going to park myself in, in the topic of strategy, you will get things done. Okay. But if you try to mix it when you have time, it doesn't matter how many employees you have, you're never going to have time. So you have to be strategic, pardon the pun, right? And there's ways to be strategic productively, but you, you, you can't mix the two. And part of it is creating the time. How do you create time is by giving things up that you've been spending too much time on. And if you went through the delegation exercise, you would rate how much time you spend, what's the impact, how much you like it, and things that float to the top that you should absolutely never do again, and things that float to the bottom to say, I need to always keep these myself, you'll figure it out. And if you're 50% better, that's an A+. Plus. You don't have to be perfect. doesn't matter. Yeah, you just got to keep making progress. I think something unique that you said there was like mixing, mixing operational and strategy. It's really hard. It's, that's like, that's oil and water. You know, you can't be in the shop printing, loading shirts and be like, I'm going to have a visioning afternoon. You know, you have to get away. You have to set time because the fires will just keep coming at you. Um, and that's something like I, I, I'm struggling with. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to Cali for uh, an extended stay um, to get away, to be able to work on the business because when I'm here, there's just fires behind me all the time. And it's not that I can't shut them off. It's that, like, I'm so close to them, I'm almost addicted to trying to work on them. So I'm literally removing myself geographically. (laughs) Um, And Chicago winters aren't very fun to get away. But it was like, my business partner says, like, you get sucked in, Stephen. Like, you get sucked in way too hard. I guess, like, what about the shops that are you so? Know, so, Stephen, just to ahead. interrupt. So, interrupt you. Just an observation. Okay. So, you just proved the point that you have to work on yourself first. Yeah. Before you work on the business. Right. Hundred percent. Yeah, and, and it's hard because that's what's made you successful. But the question right. is, where do you go from here? Where do you want to be? And if you want to grow, um, you have to invest in yourself. And if you're not doing that, you're shrinking. You know, you know what I think happened too that I realized is that I get addicted to solving the easy like tasks because the big ones are going to take up a lot more time because they will have a lot bigger impact. But it's, it's going to be like two days worth of going through this project and doing all this work or whatever the deal is. And oh, maybe I'll just cram in another five, uh, you know, oh, I got to call this. I got to do this. I got to, you know just to check it off the list because it feels good to check stuff off. It feels good to check stuff off. I think like on Twitter, I follow, if you guys are on Twitter, like I follow uh, this guy named Naval. 
um, huge in the in the in the tech space. Um, but he says like we naturally replace, you know, leaders replace a priority items with d priority items as a defense mechanism to not have to even think about the a priority items. And I think that's so true. Like I don't want to work on my Salesforce integration; it's haunting me. But I know it's going to push the needle, you know, and that's what I should be spending all of my time on. I guess, Hussein, what about the shops that feel so like they've hired employees to replace themselves? They put out ads. Then they're, you know, it's so hard to hire people right now. I can't get any good people to stay. You know, we, we hear about this over and over again. What do you say to that, to the shops that are trying but failing, trying but failing, and they're like, screw it, I'll just print? Well, I I feel like uh, you can find people. I know it's easy for me to say because I'm not hiring anyone today or plan on. Uh, I, I feel you got to work on your culture company. People want to wear work based on different variables than when I was growing up and, and early in my career. It's very different today. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, the, the places that I've seen recently uh, and companies really are inspiring from a standpoint of how much more they care about employees from a standpoint of really being committed to make it better uh, versus think they have the perfect scenario. So I, I see the growth in that direction uh, as a very as a positive. Um, I, I think you got to build your strategy as far as what are you spending your time on? And if I have two or three gaps that I'm trying to solve, break them down into baby-sized pieces, okay, bite-sized pieces, and attempt to solve them one at a time. Don't try to make everything better. Pick the easiest things to solve first and get those done. Don't pick the biggest because the biggest never get done for lots of reasons. So right now shops are winding down for the holidays or like they've wound down. It's January, slowest month in our industry probably. Things are going to start picking up as the weather gets a little bit better, you know, and this is the time to work on your business. You'll, you'll, you'll see this in our industry. Um, are you, when you're strategizing of what to solve first, are you making, you know, financial decisions, operation decisions? Is this where you're seeking help from others? Like what do, what do you, if you're a shop owner in January, what should you be doing while your shop is slow right now? Should you be scrubbing floors? Like what, what's your professional advice to them? Yeah. So that's, that, that's a big question. So I'll start off with, I, I don't think any industry should accept this is a slow part of our season. I feel like if you could solve this Valley and just break even or make certain amount of money and set a different hurdle versus accepting it, could be a different product, could be something different that builds some type of annuity in your business. I don't know your business enough uh, to, to answer that, uh, you know, by a podcast, uh, unless I thought more about it. But I feel like you should be working on strategy all year and simplifying it and executing it throughout the year versus when you're slow. Because what happens when you get busy? You, all that time you put in January just got wasted, most likely or got marginalized significantly. So I I feel like you've got to build a process of, you know, what are my one to three things I want to make better? Okay. And then figure out 
in 30, 60, 90 day increments, not six months or 12 months, because that doesn't work either in small companies or big companies, but small companies definitely uh, are, are much bigger challenge. Uh, you know, identify what those are and talk about them. So if it's the culture of how do I recruit better or how do I retain, if that's a strategy, sounds operational, but it could be your strategy. It's okay to have, you know, as that is an operational excellent focus. Start working on those things. Engage more people. I noticed that, you know, in most smaller companies, it's just the leader involved and there's very little collaboration and it's their plan, not our plan. So I'd, I'd step back and I'd, I'd figure out what my blind spot is. I take time to get my blind spot identified by others in the organization, above me, below me, could include customers. Look at how it's impacting your business. Look at what you can give up to grow the business and then start to, to develop a strategic a strategy of how to grow. And if it's a, a sales strategy or it's a product strategy, whatever it might be, a market strategy, work on that. You know what's kind of crazy, and I realize it's more. Oh, so, go ahead, Hussein. Were you saying something? No, I just I there, there, I don't I don't really have a you know the silver bullet to answer Stephen's question and make it easy. What's easy is you have to do something different. The hard part is worrying about what wreckage do I create. Yeah, and what you'll find is you won't have wreckage. We're we're almost like too busy to grow purposely. Like we we force it on ourselves. I I kind of wonder. I uh, we we're talking about this in the last episode. We lost our assistant, um, and it it exposed a lot of the things that took me a while even to accept the fact of hiring assistant. Hussein, we went back and forth. It must have been like a month, two months of like, should we do it? I could just I could book these flights myself. I could you know sit on Wisconsin's uh, unemployment tax line hotline for thirty minutes to you know handle this payment or that. It's not a big deal. Um, but it made me definitely realize afterwards that like, whoa, uh, that that sort of mentality of, of just being strong willed to just keep doing it is actually stupid. Um, and, and God knows how many hours I was wasting before and, and let alone on stuff that I'm doing now, too. But still, it, it was interesting. And, and, I, and I think what it also made me realize is going back when we first started hiring a team. We were hiring horizontally for like company capacity and, and thinking a little bit less of owner capacity, especially when we hit that like 10 to 15 employee mark. <clears throat> so the more employee capacity was reducing my capacity because it was like so direct of, of managing everything and, you know, the little micro things going to everybody. Um, but I wasn't ever really thinking about how do I get more owner capacity, which like to what you're saying, assistant, managers, delegating better, taking time off to actually think about strategy, doing all this other stuff. Anyway, yeah, there's no uh, question it, there. It was yeah, just, yeah, uh, I was going to say, I, 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 I think, the, so if you did, a, so if you did, so Bruce, if you did, to sound like a broken record, if you did a delegation exercise and one of the items was you book your own flights and meetings and, you know, the higher level administrative things, I would ask you, what's the impact of the business on a scale of one to ten? Okay, well, and Bruce books the wrong flights. Yeah, it's actually negative. Yeah, so negative. even if you did it, I would say if you did a if you did a great job, different than what Steve is <laughs> describing, 
what's it worth to the company? And if you took that same amount of time, what would it be worth to the company? It's I'm sure it's beyond 10x of what that impact would be, maybe 100x. So that's the point of trying to open up others people's heads of there's something different that I can contribute even if I did nothing. Because if you did nothing and sat there, you might be better off. The organization might be better off. Fair Bruce, thoughts? We, we joke about trade shows. Bruce and I, were, I was on the early trade show mm-hmm. grind where yeah. we would check all of our trade show items on Southwest because you got free bags. Um, and then we would like go to the UPS store, ship our – we would go to Walmart, buy TVs, and return them. We would whoa, book whoa. flights. Allegedly. <laughs> Sorry, Walmart. We would book flights uh, for the following – no, we would book hotels. We would get to the hotel and realize we booked it for the next year. Um, book flights in the same direction. We'd be leaving the show and be like, crap, I booked two one-ways. Um, those trivial things that like Carson and Corsette think we're so stupid when we talk about it. How much time <laughs> did we waste? And we were – not only did we try to do it ourselves because we're stingy. We did it because like – we were just like, oh, we'll just do it. Like, this should be easy. But in reality, we were so bad at it. <laughs> it was not good. And then mm. when we, like, saw the other side, it took three, two, three years until we're like, wait a second. Logistics company? People that know how to book flights? And, like, we could focus on that. I use that as a joke because there's so many of those things in, in your shop every day. Reclaiming screens or pulling tape or doing those things, like that you do because you're like, oh, I'll just do it. And you don't realize, A, you're bad at it, and B, it's it's wasting all of your time. And what's ironic, Hussein, is we posted something about owners being in shops too much, and it started a feud on Instagram. Like, shops were getting defensive. And that was the denial that you were talking about. So it, it's it's like a – it's kind of a slap in the face a little bit sometimes as an owner, but it's so true. What yeah, it's say? a badge yeah, of it, honor. It, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, and, and it's not unique to your industry. It just might be a little more visible because you guys have ink all over yourselves. But other than that, most people don't have ink in their business, so it's a little harder to see when you walk in the door. But this is this is a human condition. You know, we've been we train ourselves that we're the best at it, and it's faster for me just to do it than to get somebody else up to speed. And that's that's where you take the detour and say, I'm not willing to do this anymore. I, I want something different for myself than for my business. So, so if you're saying the words in your shop, it's faster me, for me to do this than to teach someone else to do it, or I'll just do it myself, you have a problem. <laughs> or you need to hire a president of your company to be the president. That would be my advice. If you really like to do those things, that's okay. Okay, but if you really want to grow... If you want to grow, you've got to get somebody else in the driver's seat. Somebody needs to be the coach and the leader and out in the front of the boat. They can't be in the engine room. Which one do you want to be? So shops might be asking, like, how do I afford it, right? I have learned the hard way. You can't be cheap early on with key employees. Like, you can't try to get a steal because you're a small business. You're going to, you know... How do you think about that as how much you should pay those early leaders in your shop? Should you overpay them, under like incentivize them with equity? Because I think those shops are like, I need to find those key people. But you talk about culture. 
Talk about money too. How, how do you how do you gauge that to make it you know? Yeah, some- I, I I think you know to answer your question about the difficulty in recruiting. My my advice is to hire at the ground level and train. Find the right personality. That's somebody that's eager. That's a sponge, good around other people, and just train them. They tend to stay forever, and just keep letting them grow through the organization. Don't try to hire somebody that's been there, done that. That's that's unlikely to work in many cases. And for smaller organizations, I think it's a bigger risk. I develop within. And you can't develop within if you're the doer. You've got to step back and help coach them and grow them. So and, when, you, when you're on the ground level, it's hire, you know, find the people, build the build around them. What about when you are at a higher level, say you're at 20 to 25 employees, and now you need senior leadership that is already experienced? Is it okay to search outside, or do you still try to, like, breed your own? I, I would I would never advise to not go outside, but what I'm saying is you likely have someone in your organization that could be thrown in the deep end of the pool and learn it over time if they have the right behavioral characteristics that fit your culture they're the person i would put the bet on first it's it's much riskier to bring in somebody at that level in any kind of company and have them be successful out the gate but you know the thing that i realized too is that they're interviewing for a different job you know i think there's a natural thought of this is my next career step but you're literally going from a contributor to a manager it's it's very different skill sets. It's especially when it's like, I want to waste less time. I want to continue to grow. Yeah. Hussein, Bruce and I disagree on this a lot. We go, this is why I think this is really, really interesting is like you take your best screen printer, you turn them into a manager and it's a catastrophe because at the end of the day, they should have been a really good screen printer. And I feel like what sometimes happens is we in our heads tell, we start to believe that this employee is going to do that. And then we like, put them in a room and say, we want you to do that. And they were never qualified to do that. So like we, we almost try to write their prophecy ahead of time and then it, it cannonballs. Um, I think what Bruce is saying, who's saying to, to this point is when you need to create that new role, you should, you should interview it like they have never worked for you before, quote unquote, and not just say, hey, you're promoted today, welcome. You know, I think you have to really set a new role for them and say, this is your new role, this is your expectations, all that. And I think that's where shops fail a lot is we just throw our people I, And I, I made that mistake too. Um, and the course correction was really bad because, you know, you they feel bad. That, that I'm like, shoot, are they going to leave? Like they could be good. Just this is not the right seat. Um, and, and I wish I would have taken more time or like interviewed them, you know, with real problems that this manager would be facing. But would you like my opinion on that? Yeah, I would. On this topic, yeah. this is my ther- this Go is our it. therapy class. This so. is our yeah, topic. that was good. I mean, if you put another quarter in, I can help you with this. Um, I, I feel so. I I'm a bit tainted by this perspective because I've I've only seen it almost universal in sales positions where your best salesperson is hardly ever 
90 percent of the time he's hardly ever going to be a good sales manager other org positions it's just one of my pet peeves as far as why is that so i disagree with you that you can't identify somebody from within most wildly successful companies will not go outside for any managerial position it's total pr promote within so they do a better job of identifying people before they come in the door of what they need to look like from a standpoint of EQ versus IQ. Okay. And so what you want to do, if you have somebody you want to promote, give them two or three stretch assignments to test them out, to see how they do, how do they fail? Let them fail. Cause I can't the tell real them life because interview. the real life and, yeah. and just give them and see, cause you guys all got to this position, not by going through a training class. I don't know why right? I'm here still. I, I, I have one day. Yeah, we want to we want to talk to you about that after after class. We yeah, wanna talk with you about that. So, but but I I just and it's it's because of experimentation. You made some mistakes. You figured it out. You moved on to the next things. You made some mistakes. You figured it out. And without mistakes, you're not gonna. You're really not gonna grow. So okay. that's fair. Yeah, so, I think, I think that's, so, that's so I think valuable. if you give them some experiments along the way, so I would do is I'd make examples of things they could experiment with as little projects and see how they grow. Everybody has that's, the ability to grow. That's where I messed up. Same. I mean, I I've jumped burned, in too fast. I've burned printers jumping in too fast. I've, I've, and I think it's it's different on the sales side. I will say that, right? But from an operations standpoint, your best screen printer is not your best production manager. Um, yeah. And if you want them to be your best production manager, you need to have a window of learning and It's like a management and, and training. I mean, big companies it's, have yeah, all it's, these it's programs. A, yeah. And I think, I think it comes down to also the human resources that, like, my wife works for a big company. They have career progression. They have mentors. They have OKRs. They have, you know, check-ins. They And they have a plan I feel like in a small business, we shoot from the hip way too hard, and it also burns our employees out when we do that. Like, it's not fair to them. Um, and I'm first to say that I've done that time and time again. Yeah. That, I, I also believe that if you train somebody to be perfectly ready, by the, if you waited to that point, you waited way too long. So there, you're going to have to take some risks on, are they the right person? It's going to be better than a batting average, but... Don't wait until you're positive they're ready. Then you waited too late. You're right. You're right. So, and so I, there's and a mix. That um, was 100%. And I and I yeah. think what sucks too is that it would be like it's my fault that I put it in that circumstance, which then caused the confusion and, and issues. Versus, you're right. Like six months beforehand, see if this is going to work. Because if it's not, we can move a different direction. Or if it is, um, we can keep pushing forward. You said a, a, a really good quote. I don't know how to prompt for you to say this again on the pod here, but I'm just going to start it. Maybe you could finish the rest. You said, if people gave up X percent of the things that – do you remember now? I, I think – You um, said – I'll just say it. You said, if you give up 80%, if people give up 80% of the things they're doing now, they could be much more wildly successful. Yeah, it's a it's especially if you were in a company that's less than 10 years old, because you probably are doing so many diverse things that other people can do 
it might even be higher than 80% because you should be out of the engine room and starting to look how to plot the chart ahead. Okay. And, and you have to develop your team. And if you're the one doing all those activities today, how are you really developing a team? No wonder you have a challenge with people staying. Everybody wants to also grow. So one of the difficult things of a leader is if they're not growing, they're shrinking, which means that you're not creating opportunities for people below you to grow to. And therefore they go somewhere else. So it's like a never ending, you know, cycle. It's a treadmill that, you know, that runs forever that you're on. You got to keep it moving. Right. Yeah. But it's once you, but one, this is one of those things. Once you do it, you will laugh and say, I, I should have been fired. Why did I wait I, I, so long to do this? I promise you, I there, mean, there, there is really yeah. no evidence of the opposite. It's just hard to do. And so you screw it up, you try it again. You will screw up. Not everything you do is going to work, right? You actually will learn when you screw up. So it's just hard to do, especially the first time. But you'll laugh. Yeah. And you'll say, oh, my God, I should have been. I should. Somebody should have fired me. I should never and, have been and, booking my own tickets and going to Walmart and buying TVs for 30 days. Somebody should have fired me. That's a, that's a, can I, uh, Chris, we're going to need that in a clip there too with this one. What Bruce go to Walmart. There's, there's way more of those stories. Someone should have fired. But if you have to step, I've, I've always been told this, if you have to step out of your position and be your boss for one second and you're giving yourself a review, how would you review yourself? You know? Um, well, I would say, no, I would say, yeah, I would say an easy assignment. If anybody is going to listen to this and wants to take one thing away with it, I would go and ask two questions eyeball to eyeball with five people I trust. They could be outside the company or inside the company. And I would ask, what's the general perception of me? And then what's the one thing that's holding me back from achieving my real potential that I need to do differently or, and other people are afraid to tell me. So I bet, I bet when you both do that and call me next week, everybody will be consistent of what the last, last question will be. And you're going to say, why in the heck didn't you tell me that before? And don't ask your wives. It's not you won't get the same answer. So uh, that's a whole nother. I don't know why. I don't actually, know why, but I will just tell you that it will impact how you run. If you just did that, you can hang up, you know, for twelve months and just work on that because you'll need tools because it'll be a lifelong exercise. But if you really want something different, you'll develop tools to make it better, much better. We uh, and I'm, I guarantee it, it's impacting your business. Why wouldn't you want to know? It's like having an intervention. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a free intervention, you know, there's no therapy involved. Yeah. But I think having, you know, so, so my, my last point was, and I was going to ask this question is, can you do it alone? Right? Like there's a lot of shop owners and entrepreneurs that are bullheaded and will say like, I don't need anything or need anyone or I, I have all the answers. Um, and I'm, I was just thinking about it, I was like, I have those five or six people that have to check me, Bruce being one of them. 
um, Adam being another one, you know, and then people outside of the industry, um, some paid, some unpaid, but you have to have a circle. And for some of the best ones, you also should feel totally comfortable paying them because the level of wisdom and knowledge and experience you're paying so that you don't have to make the mistakes that they know you're going to make, you know? So I guess Hussein, do you, uh, a lot of industry leaders that come on this podcast get hit up like crazy after it. Are you open for business? Can people hit you up and ask for help? I'm certainly willing to help anyone take a phone call to see how I can help them. I, I usually work with someone first before I engage with them to make sure that this is really fits them because getting a perspective from the outside is not from everybody and you can be successful without it. But I believe based on my experience with many other people and companies that it will throttle you back forever. It won't just slow you down. You just won't reach your potential because none of us are as smart as all of us. Right. And it's really about getting different perspectives. I don't give people the answer nor should you, you give people the question. And hopefully it's a question they haven't thought about, right? And you go deeper and deeper with questions. No advice. They're going to make the decision anyways. So is it possible, Bruce or Steven, you guys see everything in your business? You see everything? I bet you might struggle with what's most relevant to a customer, why they buy from you. You may not know. Just because you're the CEO or president, you may not know. And the way to know is to ask them. So why wouldn't you ask your direct reports, what's holding me back? What's the one thing holding me back? And your challenge will be is getting them to tell you. They will know the answer to the question. Would you really not want to know that from a customer? What the answer is? Because companies have blind spots also, right? Companies have blind spots. Ooh, blind and spots. As, as we become bigger and bigger, we have big blind spots that we think we're unstoppable or whatever, and we get disconnected from the outside. So you need a process to make sure you shed that skin and you continue to reinvent by figuring out what keeps you relevant because it's not static. Nothing static today, right? This Unfortunately. Is, this is awesome. Hussein, I'm going to um... – if it's okay, do you want to, or maybe I could put your uh, email in the description, the video description, and then. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, yeah, you have that right, or you want my business? Yeah, yeah I'll, I might send you my business one. Yeah, yeah. Send me, send me the business email address. That way, I can drop it in. Um, okay. This is great. Right. Look, we. Um, this is definitely one of our, I think, best episodes, just because it it hits home and uh, makes us feel uncomfortable, which I think is good. Uh, just wrapping up, is there a book or something that, that people can read to also help? Yeah. What are your favorite books? Um, writer, anything? Yeah. I'm not really good with memory. I'm going to pull up my audible. I have, I actually have two really good books. All right, Um, here we go. And one's, one is actually, uh, a young author. Uh, it's called who, not how it's Benjamin Hardy. He's, he's incredible. And he works with maybe the world's most famous uh, strategic coach, Dan Sullivan. And so it's called Who Not How. And it's all around, don't you do the work. Get somebody else that's better at it on everything. And what Dan Sullivan did, he got Benjamin to write the story of coaching. 
and leading. And it's really fabulous because he proves there's no way I could have ever done this myself. It would never have gotten done. And now he took somebody that's really good at it and articulated in baseball English. That's just so it's incredible. And he's, they've done two books now. So that's, that's one. The other one is more on, on coaching because I feel like it's a very simple read. It's very hard to do, but it's, it's maybe the most important thing anybody, any business leader could do. It's called the coaching habit. And if you want to develop your fire department versus put out fires, read the coaching habit. Um, it's by Michael Stanier, S-T-A-N-I-E-R. Got it. Um, it's a re- it's a great audio book. Both of them are great audio books because the conversation happens between Dan and Benjamin. Um, and it's a great conversation to hear. I don't know if the uh, textbook would actually have the conversation that they have as they reflect. Uh, oh, like audibles. The they, they, yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's a really, yeah. it's very powerful. Um, he, he will actually, Bruce, you'll laugh when you get to the point of him and his wife are very successful business people. And they actually have somebody to just go do their groceries and just little things just to kind of, he has some really good analogies of, why not to book your own airplane tickets? But he's really fascinating. And that, he's definitely one of the top five in the world as far as strategic uh, leaders, coaches. He's a very impressive awesome. man to listen to. This is awesome. Hussein, thank you so much for the time. I know okay. you're busy. You're in Florida. You're enjoying family time. Uh, enjoy the rest of the, the ski season, too. Guys, thank you guys so much for listening to Pronouncer's Podcast. If you enjoyed right. it, leave a comment down below. We'd love to be able to hear what you guys want to learn more about, too, or if you have more questions here. We will find the people. We'll bring them on. We'll hunt them down, and uh, we'll, help, we'll keep help spreading the knowledge here. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Mm-hmm.